Welcome back, Hopper Nation. Thanksgiving week, feast week of college basketball, but also feast week on the pod. Chuck, let me shake your hand there we in go, person. Seth. Great to be here with you today. Good to be with you. Uh, good to be back. We're, we are in the same room recording for the first time this season and the first time in a long time. It's been too long. Too long. So it's good to be back with you. It's happy Thanksgiving already. It's early. It's Tuesday night as we're recording and we're ready for there's a lot of sports on this week. So we're ready. We're going to make some bets. Coming off a hot week last week, Seth, we went five and one combined picks. And I would like to point out that the passion pick, never a doubt. Raiders. I hate that cover. I went against you there. You can't you can't hate the passion. Because that's what betting's all about. You don't have passion, you won't win. That's why all these people that lose their bets is because they don't care enough. Yeah, three and a week for Seth, including the passion pick of the week, Raiders plus thirteen. That was crazy. I didn't I didn't buy it, but it hit, so we like that. Um and we're feeling good. So we got a special edition of this episode for you. Um coming in on Thanksgiving. We got a special guest here, so instead of the usual Seth gives three, and I give three. We're going to each give three. We got recently married man Jack DeMarco in the house coming back for the second or third time, I believe, um, to the podcast. Jack, welcome in. Yeah, pleasure to be here, guys. Uh, appreciate you. Oh, thank you, thank you. Also welcome. live and in person, by the way. Yeah, yeah. We got a three-person let's, round let's table. Let's shake his hand while we're at it as well. Glad yeah. to shake your hands. Firm grass. Yeah, I think only my second time on the pod. Okay. I uh, had some political props last time. <laughs> That's right. Uh, that was awesome. We won't talk about if they cashed or not. Some are still outstanding. You're going to have to wait a, a year or two more for those. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no no long-term props. We'll, uh, we'll know if I cash within the week for all my plays today. So I would like to shout out Jack really fast because we Chuck and I were at his wedding on Sunday. And Chuck and I actually got a shout out at the wedding. During a speech, Jack at a, at a big moment announced that he's actually expecting a, a child in March. Um, and I, I, for one, did not know this was happening. So this bomb was just dropped on me in the middle of the speech. So then Jack gets up there, takes the mic. He said, yeah, you know, everyone, you know, pretty much knew this was going to happen except for a few people. He goes, Seth and Chuck, yeah, um, I tried to tell you guys, but then you fired off FIU plus two and a half in the group chat. So he figured I'd hold off. So I just want you to know. That we're thinking of bets before babies. This is a bets <laughs> over babies podcast. But yeah, I don't know if I can co-sign that one. I've probably been a little bit of trouble, but the, the story <laughs> is true. I was, you know, going to give them the heads up, but you know, when the locks come in, you can't really turn your focus to to more important matters. So. No, you can't. You got to be focused and you got to be locked in. And that's why we got three of us here. We got nine plays today, and we're going to start with the guest. Guest goes first. Start off, Jack. First play of Feast Week of the Hop the Pops podcast. What do you got? Yeah, more of a, probably the most meme play I have on the board, uh, but something that I pretty much bet almost every single time the Flyers play, um, dating back to two years ago, but Cam Atkinson over two and a half shots. Um, so anyone that knows about shot totals in the NHL, uh, they're pretty much always around two and a half. If you have you know the McDavid's of the world, it'll probably get up to three and a half, even four sometimes. If you want to bet on a grinder, maybe they'll give you down to one and a half. But pretty much everyone's at two and a half. Um, Cam Atkinson is just a guy that just likes to let the puck fly. Um, I was looking back at some stats, and dating back to last year, um, I excluded April and March because Flyers kind of irrelevant at that time of the year. So uh, he wasn't getting as many minutes, getting some younger guys some run. Um, but he hadn't gone two games back-to-back under two shots um, for the entire first five months of the season. Um, he's coming off a game where he only had two shots last week. Um, for me, it's pretty much a blind play every week. I'm going to do it just because he fires the puck a lot. 
Um, he also gets a lot of run on power plays. Um, but the big one that jumped out for me, they're playing the Islanders um, in New York, and the Islanders are letting up 35.7 shots a game, um, which is much, much higher than average. The Flyers are sub-30. Um, so between, you know, we're expecting around 36 shots on net. Um, Atkinson pretty much on most nights looking at it gets around 5 to 10% of the shot share on the team, um, which with 36 shots, you know, we're looking pretty safe at, you know, 3.5 there. So uh, at 2.5, I'm feeling pretty good. The lines obviously aren't published. NHL lines get published kind of the day of. Um, most nights he's around minus 120 to minus 130. Um, I'd expect it probably around minus 140 just because the Islanders are letting up a lot of shots per night. Um, but honestly, if you can get it up to three shots, get a little juice, I'd play that too. Um, but I think that's that's probably going to be my my hockey cash of the week. I think yep. that's the first time we've ever had a – a hockey prop. I also got to say, hop the props. I love the show, but there's an underwhelming amount of props for it being in the title. <laughs> it's so I it's hard as a, as a podcast to. Uh, yes, yeah, hundred. I understand. I understand, but I had to. I had to do my best. No, I to... really, you're really picking up the name there. You know, we've been we've been slacking on the props. Been, we've been we've been trying to record on on Wednesday nights, and the prop the prop numbers just aren't out by then. Um, but I mean, who knows? Maybe we need to get into hockey props. We'll see if this cashes. I know Jack said this is an automatic play for the kid. Um, so we'll see. And we appreciate you bringing a new sport onto the yeah, podcast. Getting some diversity. Well. He brought it in politics last time. Now he's bringing hockey. Um, and I like the historical trends, like going back prior years, seeing, seeing what you can see. Um, if he hasn't had more than, you know, a game in a row of the two shot of less than two and a half shots, that's, we like that. So, all right. So I think we're going to go switch gears pretty much exclusively. Oh no, Seth, you got a hoops play to I come. Have- do have a hoops is that play. next? That is next. Did I, I bury the lead there, but so Seth's got a hoops play for us. So let's take it away. Hop the hoops. Yeah, transitioning so from hockey to hoops here. Quick, quick hockey to hoops transition here. Going to Thanksgiving Day, four o'clock Eastern. We got Arizona and Michigan State. Great game on the slate. Best college basketball game of the day. Wanted to talk about it. Line's not out yet, but the thing that I'm going to be looking at here is the under. I'll tell you why. Michigan State. Ninth in overall defensive efficiency, plays third, 313th in terms of pace of play. Arizona plays seventh and is in sixth in offensive efficiency. So you've got two two ends of the spectrum here. Arizona in every game has scored either around, and when I say around, I mean I think the lowest is like 97, to an upward range of about 122 points a game. So they basically scored 100 points every game, except when they played Duke and they put up 78. Michigan State on the other side has their highest point total has been 81 points against Alcorn State. Michigan State's coming into this game a dog. Arizona is going to be favored in this game. But the question is, Michigan State's going to try to slow them down because they already lost, you know, a, a game earlier to James Madison. And then they lost somebody, somebody else that's escaping right now. So three and two, they need this game. They can drop down to three and three. So they're going to try to play their method of basketball here. They're going to try to slow Arizona down. I think everybody's high on Arizona right now. I know coming off that win at Cameron Indoor. So I think this is going to be a little inflated toward Arizona. And I think that's also going to pull the over-under higher than it probably should be. So I'm looking at the under 150 and a half is what I see this coming out to be. Uh, maybe a hundred below the low 150s. I see any value if that line is uh, 150 or above. So look for that line to come out on Thursday and take the under here. I don't think Michigan State wins this game. But I think it's closer, and it's a lot more low scoring than people think. Yes, yeah, Seth, I, I like the who's play. So the, the other team that Michigan State lost to was Duke. 
Ah, and so, so both teams have played Duke already, and both of those games went under 150, if that means anything to you. So, uh, like the under, we're going to – so that's two Thanksgiving non-football plays for you from, from Seth and Jack. I'm going to switch gears. I got an NFL Thanksgiving Day play, so we got a total of three Thanksgiving Day plays from, from us three here. Um, I'm going to the first game, first NFL game of the day. I'm taking the Lions minus 7.5 against the Packers this, this week. Um, I think this is a good spot to buy the Lions. I, I'm normally, you know, I know I talked last week about fading the Lions because I thought it was a, a sell high. Um, and, and I was right. I turned out to be right. They they won by five. They they snuck by the Bears. Um, they were losing for most of the game. They had four turnovers and had 20 minutes time of possession. So the Bears had the ball for 40 minutes. They kind of got dominated um, on the score sheet, but still ended up winning the game. So I think this was kind of a, a team of destiny, as, as Seth would probably like to say, with the fighting Dan Campbells. Um, and the Lions historically are 4-0 and as favorites against the spread on Thanksgiving. So I know they play on Thanksgiving all the time, but they're not often favorites. Um, but I think they just play hard on Thanksgiving, right? So when they are good, um, they tend to cover these numbers no matter what they are. And I think this number should be 9.5. Uh, I think there's a little bit of downgrading the Lions a little bit from that, that weird Bears game. And I think there's a little bit too much love coming into the Packers because they beat the Chargers, who are kind of in disarray right now. I don't take too much from that win. I, w- I wasn't shocked by it, honestly. Um, and Jordan Love played pretty well, but like Brandon Staley has one of the worst defenses in the NFL right now, which is crazy. Um, so I, I don't really trust Jordan Love in this spot in a big standalone game against a really good team. He hasn't really played a good team in a while. They're two and two and one in their last two in their last three, but the wins are against the Chargers, like I mentioned and the Rams without Stafford. So I don't take a lot of that out of that. And then they lost by four to the Steelers, who are also still kind of a mess right now. So I don't take a lot from their recent results from the Packers, even though they're two and one in those games. Um, and I think I think it's a bounce back spot for the Lions, honestly. I, like, I know they won last week, but Goff isn't going to throw three picks two games in a row. He's just too solid, um, especially just, just keeping the ball and not turning it over. So I think there's a little bit of turnover regression, positive turnover regression for the Lions. I think they'll play better, um, especially that it's on Thanksgiving. And and I tend to lean on these Thursday games on a short week to just lean lean towards the favorites in general. So I like the Lions. I'm not scared of the seven and a half. I'm going to take it. Yeah, Chuck, as you know, I'm a big fan of the fight in Dan Campbell's. We've we love Dan a, Campbell. We, Dan, Dan we Campbell have, we've been on Dan Campbell, I think, for like two or three years. Um, glad to see the Lions are finally turning around. And you're right, it was – Kind of, you'd expect them to lose because they were down by what, like twelve or thirteen, with like three minutes to go, and ended yeah, up winning the game. It's crazy. So they, you're right. They definitely should have lost that game. So I think they should be able to bounce back here. Already beat the Packers by fourteen earlier in the year. Yeah, that's true. Um, it is a divisional game. Can they beat them twice in the same year? It is, as you mentioned, Thanksgiving. The Lions seem to play better on Thursdays or on Thanksgiving. Um, historically, they are on a six-game losing streak on Thanksgiving. But I do like him to turn it around here. Kind of change. It's a different a, Lions it's team. It's a different Lions team. So I, I like him to get that that uh, W and and pull away here, pick up a win. Yeah. So I think that that wraps us for the the Thursday Thanksgiving Day plays. Uh, Jack, what you got? What you got next? So I'm uh, gonna stick with kind of the Thanksgiving uh, theme here, but uh, it's gonna be gonna be a parlay of sorts. Um, favorites on Thanksgiving, as alluded to, have performed pretty well. Um, and both of these favorites on the Thanksgiving Day games just seem like I always hate to use the word locks when we're talking about gambling podcasts, but um, you know both of these games seem like locks, both because the teams playing 
are good and also their competition is kind of fading. Um, so, you know, Charlie, you just hit pretty solid on uh, the line. So I don't want to regurgitate any information there. Um, the Cowboys playing against the Commanders. Cowboys at home, I know before the pod we were talking about, against the spread, not necessarily a great team on Thanksgiving. Um, and in this spot, I probably wouldn't be afraid to take Cowboys with the points, but definitely don't feel like I uh, you know, need to go and lay more than a touchdown on the field goal. Um, so I'm just going with the straight money line parlay. I'm looking at the Lions, the Cowboys, both on Thanksgiving. And then I'm going to add on the Vikings um, to round it out to around a plus 140 play. Um I'll, I'll hit more on the Vikings game. For me, uh, the Bears last week, um, We again, we're talking about it before the podcast, but that game script for the Bears last week probably was about as good as it could have possibly been for them to get a win, and they yeah. still found a way to lose. <laughs> yeah, I think you had mentioned they had the ball for over 40 minutes in that game. Um, they were plus four on the turnover margin, and they still, they still figured out how to lose the game. Uh, Vikings obviously are seeing a little bit of a, a surge here in the midseason. I think definitely one of the big surprises. Um and that game against the Broncos last week, they you know lost a close one, but I think they looked really good in that game. Um, so I'm I'm fine riding the Vikings at home in a primetime spot. Um, and you know, obviously not great to have Kirk out, um, but we don't have to deal with you know primetime Kirk Cousins because he's not going to be on the field. So we've Vikings, got the real deal, Josh Dobbs. Exactly. Yeah. You know, Vikings normally a fade in primetime spots, but you know, new new system there. So. Uh, yeah, that's that's my play. Uh, got a got a co-sign here. We're not sponsored yet. I hope we're not sponsored because the app's garbage. But bet ESPN, you know, free fifty dollar bet uh, plus one forty odds. I think that's kind of your sweet yeah. spot for trying to make some money there. So uh, that's what I threw it on. So uh, give me some rooting interest on Thanksgiving, and then also kind of round out Monday night. Yeah, a couple things to add on that. I think you mentioned that the Cowboys were kind of bad against the spread. So Dak is one in five against the spread on Thanksgiving. But this is what the Cowboys do is just kind of beat up on bad teams and just not play well against the good ones. So I don't hate the money line, um, including them here. I, I don't like them ATS, but I, I still think they they end up winning the game against the Commanders. Um, and I think that Vikings number is honestly kind of weird, right? Because if you take out home field, the Vikings are at home. And they're saying the Vikings are only a point better than the Bears who like Oh, two weeks ago would have been like one of the worst teams in the NFL. So I think the Bears are probably getting a little too much love. I agree on that overall. Yeah, I think that's a big case of kind of people overvaluing the return of fields, um, which again, yeah. didn't seem to be that big of a deal last week. So I'm, I'm fine. So yeah, I mean, that number when fields was announced back with the Lions, it went down from 10.5 to 7.5. Yep. Like, I think I don't think fields is worth that many points. Um, he's, he's certainly dangerous um, with the legs, and he, he showed that in the Detroit game. But like I said, it's hard to see them playing that well again two weeks in a row. Yeah, that was actually a play that I, I came down when we uh, all got together to discuss the plays. I Jack and I said, Jack, let's just take all the money all the team's money line. He's like, I'm already talking about it. Like, <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Glad we're on the same page here. Um, but getting, getting off of Thanksgiving, moving to Friday before we get to Saturday and Sunday, you know I got to talk about my boys, again! The Iowa Hawkeyes, the baby. The Iowa Hawkeyes going to Nebraska. Now, this game opened even. It is now at Nebraska minus two and a half. And I have no idea why. I'm very confused. The over-under, I need to tell you, 26 and a half. The lowest over-under, I think, ever in history. My it, feels like, it feels like we say this every week, though. But and it keeps point, going down. It was 28 a couple down. weeks. It's 26 now. I don't under, and we were talking about this before the podcast started, but 
the fact that it got bet up from from even money or from from even to Nebraska minus two and a half doesn't make any sense. Nebraska has not been able to score. They haven't been able to win close games. This game is going to be ten to seven, nine to six, nine to ten. It's it's probably going to go under twenty six and a half. And so I know we were talking about you know what are these teams playing for? Nebraska's five and six, so they're looking at a bowl game. Iowa, if they win this game, they're I mean they're they're in the Big Ten championship regardless. But if they win this game, they have an argument for a New Year's Six bowl. If they lose this game, they don't have that argument anymore because they'll have three losses and then four with the loss to Michigan or Ohio State. So I think this is a it's it's a must win for both teams. And in those in these type of must win games, I always value the defense because the defense is is energy, it's passion, it's and they're go, they're getting after. It. So it's, just, it's going to be a defensive battle, whether you like it or not, which is we're not surprised because it's Iowa. But the fact that you're getting two and a half points from a better team, yes, they're on the road, but the team they're playing can't score, and you have the best defense that they've faced so far, it seems like – it seems too good to be true, honestly. We were talking about it, like, is it, is this make sense? But a lot of the public's on Nebraska showing that two and a half point shift. So we're going with Iowa. I know I said I was not going to bet the spread ever again, but what we're going to do is we're just going to tease it up to plus three, take a little bit off. So if, if they lose by a field goal somehow, then it's just the push. But plus three, Iowa on the road. Don't even hate the under, by the way. But other thing we were talking about you can do, and I might do this as well, is tease it up to plus six and a half for Iowa and then tease the over under up to 32 and a half. Take Iowa plus six and a half, and then the under 32 pays minus 114. So any way you want to look at it, I wouldn't even hate an Iowa money line 26 and a half parlay as well. I, it, this is going to be a terrible game to watch, but you know I'm watching it. I'm tuning in, and I want to see zero yards. I'm excited. Yeah, I think we were talking about uh, maybe like a hypothetical 11 to 3 score where you know we don't see a touchdown all game. Um, I think great point, Seth, on – you know, just the fact that Nebraska hasn't been able to score all season and even trending as of late, they haven't been able to score at all. Um, so I think that that makes a lot of sense there. They put um, up they put up 14 points against the worst defense in college football, the Colorado Buffaloes. So how many points are they putting up against Iowa? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so this is, in fact, the lowest total in college football history. Wow. It's a record. So they're wow. breaking records you gotta out here. got to bet it then. Yeah. Um, and we just keep saying this every week. The unders are just – too valuable in this spot. It just keeps hitting um, and they just keep lowering them and they keep hitting. It doesn't matter. And so I think two and a half points in this spot is so, if and teasing up to three is so valuable um, in such a low scoring game and what we know is going to be a low scoring game. And I just like to talk about, I was doing some research on this game and I forgot to mention it until now. Do you know who the Nebraska quarterback, at least the Nebraska quarterback that started last week's game was? I don't, I know Jeff Sims was their starter. Yeah. I know somebody else starts and I know his stats, but I don't know his name. Well, there's another guy that came in. And then last week I was looking at their box score against Wisconsin. Brock Purdy's brother played. His name is Chubba Purdy. Oh my God. How am I fading Chubba Purdy? (laughs) He had a nice game against Wisconsin, but they still lost. They lost in overtime 24 to 17. Um, And common opponents, Iowa went to Wisconsin and beat them by nine. So I just think I was the better team here, right? Yeah, I think Iowa's definitely the better team. It definitely came down to one of those things that Seth mentioned. It's almost uh, you love it so much you hate it. It feels like there's something uh, kind of kind of a miss here. That the line is it's it's telling sketch. me something. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but I think as long as the majority of the public is coming in on Nebraska, that makes sense. Um, and I think something definitely, you know, we're, we're making these plays on Wednesday. I think something to keep an eye on as the week progresses is how that line movement occurs. And then if you can get any statistics on the number of tickets coming in, yeah. um, if it seems the Sharps are coming in on Nebraska, that would kind of make me pause. Um, but as, as you mentioned at this point, it seems like just the majority of the public is, is fading Iowa. Yeah, that it, that it moved two and a half points right right from when it opened is, is pretty big to me. So I'm going to switch gears. I'm going to talk about another, you know, this rivalry week in, co- week in college football. And I'm going to continue Seth's trend of taking a dog. Um, and I'm going to take NC State plus three. This is on Saturday night. So Seth's game, that's on Friday afternoon, by the way. So we're kind of all over the place this week with, with the days of games going on. So, so kind of keep an eye out on when these games are. But NC State, Saturday night, 8 p.m., um, they're at home, but they're three-point dogs to UNC. So I watched the entire UNC-Clemson game last week, obviously. And I just wasn't very impressed with with UNC as a whole, Drake May. They, they should have won that game, and they lost by 11. Um, so I just think this is a good spot to keep fading them. Um, we saw – so Kate, this is potentially Drake May's because these quarterbacks probably won't, won't, won't play the bowl game. Um, this is probably Drake May's last game as a UNC quarterback. And we saw Caleb in Caleb Williams' last game as the USC quarterback likely – if he doesn't play his bowl game, they got smoked by UCLA. So I just think this is a, like a UNC's kind of given up at this point, um, especially after this that Clemson game. So I don't think they have much to play for anymore at this point. Um, NC State's won the last two against UNC, so they they kind of have their number. And this Drake May played NC State last year and lost by three in double overtime and had only 233 passing yards and an interception. And that was against a worse NC State defense. NC State's defense last year, Pass against the pass ranked like 95th or so. And this year they've, they're 49th against the pass. So this is a better defense that Drake May is going against. He didn't have much success at home last year. Now he has to go on the road and play them again. Um, so I don't like his chances there. NC State has a 22nd rush defense, so they're even better against the run. So I think that bodes well um, to slow down the run. And Omari and Hampton, who had a had two fumbles against Clemson last week, and Clemson's rush defense isn't as good as NC State's, at least statistically. Um so I think they can just slow down the offense overall and keep a low scoring. I don't love Brennan Armstrong. I know I've talked about that a couple times on the podcast, but UNC kind of struggles against running quarterbacks. So I think you could have a decent enough game in this spot. Um, Kate Klubnick last week had 40 yards, 40 rushing yards and a touchdown against, against UNC. So I think, and uh, Georgia tech beat UNC and they have a running quarterback in Haynes King. So I think there's a couple of running quarterbacks, the, Brandon Armstrong factor, Drake May, not a lot to play for against a good defense. I'll take the I'll take the three points. I think there's a lot of value there. Yeah, I'd say this game means a little bit more to NC State than UNC. After UNC lost to Virginia, I think they kind of threw their season down the trash. They were been two completely different teams since before that game and after that game. So I'm right there with you. The ACC scares me. I feel like I've been off all year on the ACC. So I'll leave this one to to you. Yeah, and I think just the only other thing to add there, I love the comparison between the uh, Caleb Williams-USC game. I think especially in the past couple of years we've been seeing throughout college football um, where teams with star quarterbacks or just star players that, you know, once a season, once you're kind of out of contention of either your conference championship or national title or playoff berth, um, it's kind of like, you know, why, why am I still out here? I'm, I'm here to cash a gigantic paycheck next year and not get hurt. Um, and the, the team can kind of feel that, right? If, you're, if your star player isn't out there trying to win games, putting their body on the line, um, it kind of, you know, trickles down of, well, if he's not doing it, why am I going to yep. do it? Um, so I think this is definitely a prime spot of, yeah, on paper, maybe 
it would be different, but I think from a psychological standpoint, um, I feel like you're definitely on the right side here. And these two teams shockingly have the same record. So I think, you know, UNC has been underperforming all year and they're just continuing on that trend and NC State's actually overperforming. They've won their last four, so they're kind of rolling right now. Um, so I like them getting three points, especially at home. Jack, I'm going from one rivalry game to another rivalry game. This will be my last play. Let's go. But it's possibly the biggest play. Biggest game of the weekend by far. Don't know matter, don't, doesn't matter how you cut it. Ohio State traveling to the big house. Wolverines favored by three. Now, before the before we got on the pod here, there was some there was some talk going back and forth with this group. So we're going to open it up to a discussion. But I am going to preface with, with my pick first. My pick first is I'm taking Michigan minus three. This Michigan has played one one score game all year, and it was last week against Maryland. Chuck and I were talking about it. it was definitely a look ahead spot. It was definitely a game we should have talked about playing in between Penn State and Ohio State. But Michigan, I mean, yeah, Penn State, Ohio State. but Michigan is not at one point throughout the year looked really bad. It's just they their opponents that they played have not been good, but they they haven't really had. You know, they've, they've always shown up. They've blown every team out. They've looked good. So that's why I'm taking them is based on what I've seen. I don't trust Ohio State's offense. I know Marvin Harrison is the best player on the field, but I still think Michigan's got them defensively and offensively scheme-wise. Boys, I'm opening it up to you. Yeah, I think, you know, I hate to I hate to join the podcast and then just play devil's advocate from the rip, but – um. I think in my spot, I definitely would be taking Ohio State. I think I'd probably be looking at Ohio State money line in this game, to be completely honest. Um, I think the home field advantage for Michigan is definitely big, um, especially with kind of all the emotions surrounding the program right now. I think this is going to be, you know, a gigantic rallying spot. Um, however, Seth kind of uh, led into my first argument. In these kind of close games, I think it's it's easy to agree that both of these teams are pretty evenly matched. I don't think one team significantly better than the other. Um, I love to just go to who's the best player on the field because that guy's typically the one that's going to make a play that determines the outcome of the game. Um, and I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is, is that guy in this game. Um, Blake Corum is definitely, you know, a very, very good player. But as we saw last week, too, uh, he got stifled a little bit in that game. Uh, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to make a gigantic play that's going to turn the tide of this game. A big thing, I think, as well, depending on what book you use, a lot of times they're going to give you a live bet promo. Um, and the big thing for me with Michigan that I don't like is that they've been able to control the game script in the more competitive games they've played this year. Um, I wouldn't necessarily call a Penn State game competitive, but the reason I think that game got out of hand a bit was because they controlled the game script, right? They they went down early, but it was only by a field goal. Uh, then they were able to rally back, and then they were really to get into their rhythm of just chewing clock and dominating in the trenches. I think if Ohio State's able to jump out to an early 7 nothing lead, um, or even like a 10-3 game script a little bit later into the second quarter, Michigan I don't think is going to have the commitment to the run game that has kind of allowed them to to compete well in those close games that they've had this year, not that there's been many. Um, so I think pregame I'd definitely be on Ohio State, but I would also be looking to pound Ohio State money line live, uh, especially if you're getting some sort of promo in that game, um, if they're able to come out to an early touchdown lead kind of second quarter time period. Um, Because I just don't think Michigan is built to handle a game where they need to come from behind. Yeah, so I'm a little torn between both of you right now. Um, I was high on Michigan coming into the week. Um, I saw the look-ahead line at 5.5, and and I kind of liked them at that. And then the Maryland game happened, right, which I don't want to take too much of, and I think everybody is taking too much out of because it was a letdown look-ahead spot, um, super sandwich game, super just weird spot on the road in Maryland. Um, 
And this, then that line went down two points, two full points. So Michigan's only a three and a half point favorite now. I think that's too much. Um, so I was originally on Michigan. I, I looked into the stats a little bit and I tried to compare common opponents, right? They both played Penn State. Ohio State played them at home. Michigan had to go to Penn State. A little bit different. Um, but Ohio State actually bottled up the run game even better than Michigan did. So I just wonder that Ohio State has a better rush defense than even Michigan does. And that worries me a lot in the spot, right? For Blake Corum and this run game, J.J. McCarthy didn't have to throw a pass in the second half of the Penn State game. Um, so he just hasn't really been exposed to that many good teams through the air. Um, but we saw him in the spot last year, and he absolutely dominated, right? So I my tend to lean, like I know you said best player on the field. I, I tend to lead best quarterback at the end of the day. Um, am I trusting uh, Kyle McCord to go on the road in Michigan and make a play? I know he's got Marvin Harrison out there. He can just throw it up. But he hasn't really had a true road test like that yet. Um, so I just worry about him in the spot. And I, I think that's why I lean Michigan. But it, but I am starting to get worried because I think this Ohio State defense might even be better than Michigan's. Yeah. And, I mean, Chuck, you mentioned it. The, the other thing I'm looking at is the best quarterback. J.J. McCarthy last year when they went to Ohio State, yeah. 12 for 24, 263 yards, three touchdowns. Had a 75-yard bomb as one of those. So he's been in this spot before. Boy Corum is, I mean, not Boy Corum. What's the, what's the Ohio State guy? Kyle McCord. Kyle McCord. Kyle, McCord. Kyle McCord has not. Now, could Kyle McCord just come out and ball out? Yes. Has he gotten better every week? Yes. Do I think, right, would I take him over J.J. McCarthy, who I still think is an overrated quarterback? No. So right now, we've got McCord and McCarthy. I'm taking McCarthy. Yeah, and I, I can't argue with either of you on that point. I think McCarthy's definitely um... – kind of the you know the better quarterback the only thing i will say to that is um being a penn state fan myself unfortunately um seeing a lot of both these teams this year i think that ohio state and ryan day have done a really good job of putting him in positions where he can make good passes um so yeah if they were both playing the same exact game same offense i'd obviously take mccarthy i feel like mccord however is being put in positions where he's able to succeed um, we saw in the last drive of that Notre Dame game early in the year, um, they were able to creatively kind of get the ball to Harrison in space um, and even some of their secondary guys, um, but not put it on the shoulders of McCord, but essentially just make it, hey, look at your first read two yards down the field. If he's not open, check it down. Um, so I also kind of give the coaching edge in this game to Ohio State too. Um, so I, I feel like while the talent of the quarterbacks is definitely a little bit different, I think given the offenses that they're playing in, if it comes down to the play where either of them have to make a play, McCarthy's going to have to make a much more difficult play um, compared to McCord. Yeah, that's that's fair. And and I just wonder the emotion levels for both teams in the spot, right? So Harbaugh's not going to be there. Michigan's hyped up. They, they see themselves as the villain. Everybody's against them. Um, it's us, us against them kind of mentality. They're at home. But Ohio State's lost this game two years in a row now. And it's hard to see that trend continuing for too much longer. Um, cause these teams are just bound to just trade punches back and forth. Um, I would, I would like Kyle McCord if he just had a little bit more experience in the spot, you know, like potentially Ohio state to win this game next year, obviously it's going to be in Columbus though. So, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of stuck in between the middle of you two on both sides here. I like the Ohio state money line play. I think if you're going to play anything, um, because you're getting, you're getting some plus money there and this is kind of could be a go either way game. Um, and it's hard to lay the three and a half points with Michigan, but I do think there's some value in that number too, because it's come down a little too much in my opinion. Yeah, I, I definitely, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've laid it five and a half. I think Michigan wins by a touchdown or more. 
that's my that's my bet here, and that's that's what I'm taking. But we do have a nice friendly rivalry going on in this yeah, game, so we'll a, see how it turns a true out. Choose your fighter. We got the guest on. We got Seth, who's on a little bit of a hot streak from last week. Um, but you know, we could could ride the luck of a recently married man here. So choose your fighter. See how it goes. Um, I think that wraps us for college football plays. I think Jack and I each have one more, and we're going to Sunday. Yeah, I can I can start us off here. Yeah. Um, I, again, don't want to encroach on the podcast being a guest, so I will refrain from using the words uh, passion pick. However, <laughs> you can uh, say passion pick. I, I don't I don't that's I don't, my wedding presents. I don't I don't want to I don't want to lock a passion pick on this game. But this is one of those games where um, you can put the statistics in. You can kind of look at everything surrounding it and it just doesn't make any sense. Um, but there's a couple couple scripts here that I think will will even it out. Um, so I'm looking at the over in the Steelers and Bengals game, uh, over 34 and a half. So we're looking to get the 35 or more. Um, I mean, I'm obviously going to address, I think a lot of people that follow the NFL will hear that pick and just kind of tune me out at this point. Um, so I'll kind of address why this isn't a good pick first, but then, you know, hopefully address that. Um, so AFC North games always tend to be close. Um, weather could be a factor in this game. It's supposed to be cold, potentially rainy. Um, which is going to lead to, you know, more more running, more clock chewing. Um, and both of these offenses have been lackluster this year, not to mention that the Bengals are going to be without Joe Burrow for, uh, for this game and the rest of the season. Um, so you're probably thinking that doesn't sound like a great script to go over. Um, however, there's a couple things here that I, I think are going to push the game over. Um, first, the backup quarterback for the Bengals, Jake Browning, in my opinion, just eyeball test looked really good coming in in relief um, after Burrow went out last week. Um, the big thing for me that I saw that was eye-opening in that game is his first play in. So he came in completely cold after the Burrow injury. Um, the first play they called was a play-action bootleg where he had to throw the ball across his body, rolling to the opposite side of the field, and he completed the pass to the tight end. Um, typically, and Browning is a rookie or second-year player? He's been around a couple of years. Okay, yeah. Um, coming out of Washington, but even at Washington, I feel like he was never much of a, a flashy guy at all. Yeah. Um, so for him, for the coach to call that play, I feel like typically coming in backup quarterback, you're going to either, you know, call a run play or, Hey, let's get him an easy check down for the coach to have the nuts to say, you know what, we're going to throw him out there on a bootleg and make him throw the ball across his body. That shows that they have an immense amount of trust in him to make a play on the field. Um, which means that he's probably been showing out pretty well in practice. Um, so for me, that kind of showed to me, okay, this offense might be a little better than, you know, a typical offense coming in with a backup quarterback. Um, the bigger thing in my mind here is the Steelers. They just fired their offensive coordinator. Um, being semi-local to the Pittsburgh region, you hear a lot of noise about fire Matt Canada, fire Matt Canada. Um, and even today, there were reports that it was you know kind of done to keep the locker room together. Um, it seemed like the locker room had kind of turned on him. So I think this is a big spot if that actually is true, where one, it's kind of for their own reputation, those players on the offense, like, Hey, you got a guy fired, and you know you were the driving force for this guy getting fired. So if you if you can't score without him, you know who really was the problem. Um, but also just from a pride standpoint of like, hey, we just call someone their their livelihood. We should probably you know at least try and show out now. Um, so I'm not saying this game is going to fly over by any means, um, but I definitely could see the Steelers finding the end zone three times in this game, um, and then that would only leave us to having the Bengals you know cash in twice. Um, at 34 and a half, I'm definitely, definitely willing to play this. Um, but I think that's, that's what I got in this game. 
Yeah, a couple of things. I, I love the Steelers for just a little bit of offensive improvement in this game. Just a, just a little bit would be great. Um, firing Matt Canada, obviously. We saw what happened to the Bills after they fired Ken Dorsey. Even if it wasn't necessarily Ken Dorsey's fault and he needed to be fired, it was still just a big spot for the, for the team. Um, they played a lot better. They put up 32 against the Jets, um, which is no small feat. So I like that. And I'm, I'm also just looking at the Steelers' kind of history, and they seem like they're a – in terms of like a total on again, off again kind of situation, right? So they had a 41 point total against when they played the Rams. And then, so that went over and then under in the next game against the Jags and then over after that against the Titans and then under this total after that. So it just kind of bounces back and forth if you just look at it. Um, so they had a really low scoring game against the Browns last week. So I just think they're bound to, uh, to have a higher scoring game here just in terms of regression. Um, and you make a good point about Jake Browning. I'm not. I'm not so sure. I didn't really watch too much of him after once Joe Burrow went out. I was kind of tuning out of that game. But I do think it's important. Like I trust the Bengals front office to tr- to believe that Jake Browning was their truly their best option as the backup quarterback of Joe Burrow, knowing that Joe Burrow is injury prone. Um, you know, we we look at like what the Jets did with Zach Wilson. We're like. But that's that's a bad front office. I think they've proven time and time again that they keep making bad decisions. I, I trust the Bengals. They did it right with Joe Burrow. Now they're doing it with Jake Browning and saying, hey, this is our guy. This is going to be their backup. We know Joe Burrow is injury prone and we're still going to trust him. So I think the the coaching staff and the and the upstairs people are, are saying Jake Browning's better than you think. Um, so so maybe he can play pretty well in this. The Steelers defense is, is pretty solid. TJ Watt I worry about. But I think their secondary isn't too much to be to ride home about. So I don't, I don't hate to play here for sure. Yeah. And I guess that's, that's a really good point you bring up there as well. Just about the Steelers defense. I think the Steelers defense this year on paper has been very good. Um, again, eyeball tests. They're very boomer bust to me. Um, you know, they're relying on TJ Watt to make a big play, which as yeah. an over better, that's great. I would love nothing more than Jake Browning to fumble the ball and give up. A <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, and their secondary as well. I think their lead corner, uh, Joey Porter jr. Uh, again, saw him play at Penn state for three years. Um, he's very, uh, I don't know how to put it, Travion Diggs-esque, where he's okay. going to go out there and, you know, he's either looking for a pick six or he's fine giving up a 50-yard yeah, against down. Jamar Chase, that's not so good. Um, so. Yeah, so that's 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 another thing. The defense, I think, is is a solid defense, but I think they're also a defense that leads to, um, you know, creating some opportunities for their offense to cash in easier, um, or they're going to be prone to give up a big play or two. Yeah, no, I, I, the one thing I will say that I'll add in here, I think this is a spot – That'll catch a lot of people because it almost caught caught me when we were talking about it before. You know, with the Bengals, you know, starting Jake Browning, Steelers find their offensive coordinator. Your first thought's going to be the under. That's kind of just what it is naturally. But the, when the more you think about it, the more you see what's happened. Exactly, like the Bills, like we talked about, being the Jets. The over is the right play here, and then that's a, that's a veteran play by just three big-minded individuals getting together on a couch. On a Tuesday night. This is why we talk these things through. Before you got to talk it out. You got to talk it out with others. It's collaboration. Work well as a team. Put that on your resume. Well, it all works the same way. So I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. Might even be wise, like you're saying, Seth, to just wait on this number. See if it goes down a little bit. You got a little extra value. Um, it certainly could move in the downward direction. Um, come kickoff. Definitely see how the how the tickets are coming in. Uh, all right. So ninth and final play coming from yours truly. I'm going to stick on Sunday as well and talk about another local team to us all here in Westchester today. Um, Bills at Eagles Sunday. Uh, We got the Bills plus three and a half for my final play of the week. 
this is like like Jack kind of hinted at. This is more of a passion play. I don't have a ton written down. I'm not diving into the stats here. I watched the entire Eagles game last night against the Chiefs, and I thought they should have lost that game straight up. I thought the Chiefs were better, um, but their their receivers just couldn't catch. And I think Stephon Diggs can catch. Um, so I, I worry about the, the Eagles secondary. They they had some holes. The Chiefs exposed them, but their receivers couldn't bring bring the ball down. Um, I think Stephon Diggs and Khalil Shakur is coming on the scene. He's a rookie for the Bills. Um, he had a big play against the Jets last week. And like we like we talked about, I talked about it in, in Jack's pick um, previously. I, I think it's big, the momentum that they're riding with the Ken Dorsey firing. Uh, I don't think that's a small thing. Um, I certainly don't think he deserved to be fired. I thought Sean McDermott was more of the problem there um, long term. But I think in this spot, it's a good spot to buy the Bills at three and a half, getting over a field goal. Because I think these two teams are... Are fairly evenly matched. I don't think the Eagles are playing at their best right now. Um, and I think this is a big both letdown. This is a short week for Philly coming off the Chiefs win, um, going back home after after going to KC. And this is a big look-ahead spot for them. They got, listen to their, their next three games. They're, they play the 49ers, they go to Dallas, and then they go to Seattle. Those are big NFC games, and this is an AFC game. I don't think they care that much about winning this game. Obviously, you know, obviously they want to win. They want to hold on to that one seed for as long as possible um, and keep the, keep the best record in the NFL going. But I just think this game doesn't matter too much, as much to them as those next three do. Um, so if this, you know, I just don't think the motivation is going to be there fully. Um, and it seems like the the pros are heavy on on the Bills side this week. So I think the Eagles are going to be a public play. They, they just beat the Chiefs. We got to take them against the Bills. The Bills have been bad. They're six and five. Whatever, I think you fade the public here. I think you take the Bills plus three and a half. Yeah, and the other thing too is the Bills are in panic mode. Like they're six and five. Yeah, got to win. They have to win. They can't go to six and six. Like especially with Miami in their division, everyone in the NFC, they're in the AFC North above five hundred. I know the Bengals are probably falling off that track, but so there's the AFC is up for grabs right now. The Bills don't look like they're going to win their division, so they've got to catch a wild card spot. Means they have to they have to win. It means they have to steal a couple games on the road. So I definitely think that this is a game that they could steal. Um, if not steal, definitely keep it close in the end. Yeah, and I think the only other thing to add, I, I like a lot of the points that were already made. Um, just the Eagles not looking great last week, kind of the the motivations of the two teams. I think the big thing too, uh, the Eagles' offense against the Chiefs with Dallas Goddard out um, was kind of yeah. more stagnant than I had ever seen it in the Jalen Hurts era. Um, there were three or four drives in that game where it seemed like they just forgot how to gain any sort of yards. Not, not even oh, you know, they're not they're not putting a drive together. It seemed like we're going to be lucky if we get two yards, um, and that that really comes down to uh, the depth that Goddard can provide, both from a receiving standpoint, but also from a blocking standpoint. Um, the Eagles' offensive line is a little banged up as well, so it's not entirely on Goddard, but he definitely helps to kind of supplement, especially when the offensive line isn't one hundred percent healthy. Um, so I think that's also something to keep out. He's on injured reserve, so he's definitely going to be out for this game. Yeah. Um, but it'll be interesting, uh, albeit I'm not uh, – haven't seen a ton of Bills games this year, but historically they've been a blitz-heavy team. Um, so I'll be curious to see if they even commit more to that kind of game plan on defense. Um, and again, Hurts this year hasn't seemed to deal with blitzes very well. Um, it seems like very often he's kind of giving himself up in situations where last year he might have you know stayed on his feet, took a hit, staying longer. Um, so the Eagles offense to me is a concern. And then the defense, obviously, um, if, you know, the chiefs had a couple wide receivers that could play at an NFL level that that game would have been, you know, they would have put up probably close to 27, 30 points on them. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I like the play there. 
Uh, this Eagles team seems like one that just finds a way to win games, though. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily be on the Bills' money line in this spot. Um, but definitely getting the three and a half, um, especially if you can still get the hook on the field goal, I think that's a, a good play. Yeah, uh, Chris Jones was absolutely eating for the Chiefs yeah. in, that, in that game, and that was a problem. They just kept running screen passes. They didn't trust Jalen Hurts to like step back in the pocket. So we'll see. I know the Bills' defense is kind of banged up, too. Um, so we'll see if they can get the same pressure that KC was. I don't know if they can. But I, I do think offensively they'll have more success than the Chiefs did. And I think if the Chiefs won that game, you wouldn't be able to get the hook, right? So I think you just got to take the value here. Yep. All right. I think that wraps us. We've given out nine plays. So I just want to do a quick recap because that's a ton. Um, our Thursday plays specifically for Thanksgiving Day, we got the Lions minus seven and a half for me. We've got the Arizona-Michigan State College basketball under. I got uh, before Thanksgiving Day, we got Cam Atkinson over two and a half shots. Um, and then the money line parlay of both favorites on that day. Uh, plus, we're looking at, we're fading the Bears. Uh, yeah, the Monday Bears night. Are, uh, the Bears are playing the Vikings. Sorry. So, forgot that. Vikings, Cowboys, uh, Lions, Lions, money well. line yes. parlay for, for Jack's second play. And then we go to Friday. And then we're, we're riding the Hawkeyes again. Iowa at Nebraska. We're taking Iowa plus two and a half. Also don't. I also like the under 26 and a half as well. All right. And then we got on Saturday, NC State plus three and oh, Michigan. Michigan minus, minus three, three in or, the big house. Or if you want to ride with Jack, Ohio State plus three. That's not an official pick, but he's, he's fading Seth in this spot. Um, and then we transfer – Switch over to Sunday. I got the Bills plus three and a half, and Jack's got one more for you. Yeah, and I'm. You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to officially call it a passion play. There it is. Passion there we go. Passion End play. of the pod. He, he brings it out. He brings out. The it's passion not a play. passion pick. It's a passion play. Yes. Yes. So I couldn't, it's not I, trademarked. You know, it, yeah. Yeah. Good. I was going to say. Yeah. Couldn't couldn't infringe on your uh, trademark there. <laughs> um, but we're going over thirty four and a half in the Steelers and Bengals game. All right. Well, I hope you kept track of all that. Hopper Nation, Jack. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Uh, this was a good week. I, I hope I hope you cast some bets. I hope we go nine and no. That would be pretty awesome. Um, lots of sports to be had, lots of fun, lots of food to be had this week. And I'm gonna enjoy the hell out of it, guys. Yeah, another shout out to Jack again. Getting getting married and then two days later getting on a sports betting podcast. <laughs> that doesn't set a tone. I don't know what does. Yeah, not not great optics, but uh, you know, you gotta pay the bills somehow. So if we're cashing three winners, no one can be upset. Yep. All right. Well, we love it. Thanks for tuning in, Hopper Nation, and we will see you next time. Thank you, gents. Bye. Have a good one.